Do you know what happens this Wednesday? Independence Day, better known as a pyro's favorite day. <laughs> Wednesday, July the 4th, is our nation's Independence Day, and by far one of my favorite holidays each year. I love watching things go boom in the sky. Many of us are going to celebrate on July 4th, Wednesday afternoon and evening, maybe all day in different ways. Uh, Many of us are going to gather uh, with family on July the 4th. You're going to be visiting with people that uh, maybe you haven't gotten together with in a couple of months. People uh, travel together to gather together. There are specific foods that happen uh, around the July 4th holiday. Many of us are going to have big, cold watermelons together on July 4th. Uh, We're cheating this July 4th. We're meeting uh, my parents at a restaurant, and I don't think there's going to be any watermelon at Ray Azteca in State College. Uh, But we're going to have a great time gathering and paying someone else to make our food together. Most importantly, in my opinion, what happens on July 4th around 9.15 when it starts to get dark is we get a little crazy with the fire. I love it. I love fireworks. I love the safety of fireworks. I have most of my fingers still intact because of fireworks. The 4th of July is a wonderful time. Some statistics about why uh, fireworks are a big deal in our country. Get this. In a year, in a year in the United States, both consumer-grade and professional-grade fireworks, we will have purchased 247 million pounds of fireworks in these United States. Someone say, America. Right? Right? Also, in the United States, in one year, we will have spent $1.6 billion on fireworks in the United States. We're a little obsessive with our fireworks. We, as a family, only account for about half of that. (laughs) On the 4th of July... We use that holiday as a celebratory reminder of our independence from the kingdom of Great Britain and the signing of our Declaration of Independence on July 4th, 1776 by the Second Continental Congress. On Wednesday, I hope and I pray uh, that as you gather, that all of us would celebrate our nation's independence in safe... On this three days prior to the July 4th celebration of our independence, that the Word of God also celebrates an independence that we have. If we would choose to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we have a focus of independence ourselves as believers in not having to be bound by the way things are for humanity. We're going to continue in this study of some radical red letters of Jesus this morning. I want us to look and focus our attention on some uh, words of Christ again that in and of themselves, especially in the moment that we're going to look at here in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus presents these words in an audience that were probably highly offended. 
by what Jesus speaks here. We're going to look at Luke chapter 4, and I'm going to bring you up to speed. We're going to start in verse 14, but listen to some, uh, some background of Luke chapter 4. You know the story. As Jesus uh, goes into the wilderness, he is tempted. He is spending some time uh, in prayer and fasting out in the wilderness for 40 days and nights. And we know from Luke chapter 4, we know from the account that the, the devil seeks to tempt Jesus in many ways. And each time the devil tempts Jesus, Jesus responds with scripture. And he is filled with power in these moments. And we, respond, we, we catch back up with Jesus' story. In Luke chapter 4, verse 14, it'll be on the screen. Listen to God's word. Verse 14, then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Things are going well. Verse 16, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures, as usual. Verse 17, the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. He reads from the prophet Isaiah in these bold, radical red letters. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Verse 20, he rolled up the scroll I like to see that he dropped the mic. He handed it back to the attendant and he sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak and he said, The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. By reading and acknowledging the fulfillment of this prophetic word from the book of Isaiah, Jesus is declaring the possibility of independence from the penalty, from the weight, and the bondage of sin. Jesus is declaring with radical red letters that there is freedom from sin. Elsewhere in Scripture, in the New Testament, the Apostle uh, Paul uses uh, this same declaration to the church in Rome. He writes this in Romans chapter 3, verse 22 through 25. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of the glorious standard of God. All of us have sinned. Remember that this is the bad news. We've talked about this. This is the bad news that we are all broken. We are all fallen. We are all in bondage to sin because of our human condition. Because we are born into this world, we can do nothing on our own that is righteous. We are all born into the bondage of sin. That's the bad news. Every man, woman, and child born into this broken world has been born into the bondage of sin, missing the aim of God's original plan for mankind. 
We need a Savior. We need forgiveness. We need a way out. We need freed from that bondage. Paul continues with the good news in verse 24. Yet God in his grace, Paul writes, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his Blood. The great news, again, the reminder for us as believers, the the hope that we have that the world needs is that we can have freedom from sin. Sadly, many times we fail to see the true meaning of the word freedom in instances like this. The word freedom gets lost in a a lot of other words that we use in conversation about this. Many of us have come to imagine the word freedom means that we are now free to do uh, whatever we want. Free to move about the cabin. That because of what Jesus has done for us, we simply think that we can uh, receive that gift and we can just go back to life as normal and imagine that everything we do has no consequence. This has been a false teaching for a long time in the church of Jesus Christ. Back in the mid-1800s, an Anglican priest by the name of Charles Kingsley brought us some clarity on this with a simple phrase that he wrote. Charles Kingsley famously wrote, quote, There are two freedoms. The false, where man is free to do what he likes. And the true Where man is free to do what he ought. The kind of freedom offered through Jesus Christ is a true freedom. It is a break from the bondage of continuing to live contrary to God's will and to fall in line with what He offers us for our life. How? How can we truly experience the freedom offered through Jesus Christ? We want to look at some other radical red letters from Christ. John chapter 8, this is the meat of our message this morning. This passage of scripture, these radical red letters are famously written, famously uh, quoted by Christians throughout history. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32 says this, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, quote, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. How do we experience the freedom? These two verses remind us of first the requirements for freedom. The requirements for freedom first is this to believe. Verse 31, it says this Jesus said to the people who believed in him. Freedom begins with a belief. Freedom starts in an understanding of who Jesus is. Jesus is addressing these Jews who had believed in him. And again, here we get money in the the word and understanding of belief. We understand it in our English language in a, a certain way. I believe that today is Sunday. Right? I believe that I'm standing on a stage. I, I, I believe that things are the way they are. 
Belief in the Lord Jesus means much more than simply believing in the historical reality of the man that lived named Jesus. We understand in the definition of what it means to believe that it um, believe means actually accepting that all that Jesus said is true. Believing upon him means accepting Jesus' teaching. All that he says about God, all that he says about the danger of sin, all that he says about the real meaning and hope for this life. The Greek word used here in John chapter 8 for believe is further defined as having confidence in, placing trust, having faith. Literally, these Jews who believed cast themselves at Jesus, giving him full authority. The first step towards experience the true, experiencing the true freedom that Jesus offers is understanding, redefining, realigning ourselves with what it means to believe in the authority. To believe in the ability to believe in who Jesus claimed to be. Again, I want to remind us that we are not entitled to a partial belief. We're not offered an option to say, oh, I believe this part about Jesus But this one, I'm just not so sure. When we come into relationship with Jesus, we are surrendering. We talk about it in the term lordship. We are surrendering everything to him. It's an absolute surrender to the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ to believe in him. The other requirement for freedom, according to this passage, is the word remain. Remain. Jesus says, if you remain faithful to my teaching, you are then really my disciples. If you remain faithful can also be translated that if you abide in. Other translations in Scripture give us that terminology. If you would abide in. I like that word. It talks talks about spending time in. Jesus is telling us here by his own words that becoming a disciple of his is not simply a one-time decision. It is a continual relationship, a continual obedience to his word and to his teaching, to all that he offers. The term to remain faithful reminds us of how and where we are to stay as disciples of Jesus. To abide in something. To be in it means to stay in close proximity. Remain faithful to God. To believe in Jesus means to uh, abide in Him. To hold fast to who He is. To stay in close proximity to Jesus, to His Word and His promises. This is why we uh, spend time in God's presence here at church. We try to stay faithful to spending time with other believers in proximity to Christ. It's why we spend time in worship through corporate singing together. We believe these are examples of staying in the presence of God. Does it only happen here? Oh boy, I hope not. 
We cannot rely. We cannot have the kind of relationship Jesus wants to have with us if we are only counting on what happens on a Sunday morning being our time spent with the Lord. It is not enough. What does holding, what does abiding look like? What does spending time with? I read a story, an illustration about Columbus. You guys remember Columbus? A couple years before 1776. Columbus refused to listen to the threats of his sailors as he was sailing to find the Americas. As day after day no land appeared, the sailors threatened to mutiny, and they demanded to turn the ships around and head back. Columbus refused to listen. And famously, in his journals, in the ship's log, he entered day after day, two words. During a stressful time, as we can imagine, two words. Simply sailed on. Sailed on. This abiding terminology had a different word for me growing up. My dad used a word in my life. I, it is written upon my heart forever. It's the word stick to I haven't even looked up if that word exists in the dictionary. But if my dad said it, it must. stick is the ability that we need to ask the Lord for again and again that helps us to remain faithful to His will. Keeping our head down Believing that God has the best plan for us and continuing day after day, remaining faithful to his will and to his way. The same phrase, the same uh, Greek terminology appears earlier in John's gospel in John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus says it this way, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be Granted, if you remain in me, if you will stay plugged in, if you will stay at my feet, if you will abide in me, the sky is the limit. I've got this, Jesus says. How do we experience the freedom offered through Jesus? How do we truly experience a a radical change from the way things are in this world? We must believe and remain. If We will. What's the result? If we will believe, if we will sell out, if we will surrender completely, if we will stay plugged in, what will result? Verse 32, Jesus says, you will know the truth and you will be set free. First, there is a knowledge of truth. Salvation. Salvation, the the, the belief part and discipleship, that remaining in, that abiding in, results in a knowledge of truth. We will have knowledge of what is right and what is wrong. Jesus says that you will know the truth. To know truth is to know him who calls himself the way, the truth, and the life. Finding freedom through Jesus means an understanding that Jesus is it. Everything else will fade away. Everything else that this world has to offer will be revealed to us as a false truth. And Jesus will remain the one, the true, the true one. 
were being sold every day. We're being sold and marketed to every day. A, a, a bill of goods from a world that continues to search for the next thing. Jesus wants us to know. In that personal relationship, he offers to us that he is it. Nothing else can satisfy. Nothing else can serve the purpose of the one who created you. He is it. The knowledge, the truth that we are given leads to, secondly, the same word, true freedom in Christ. True freedom in Christ. The truth, Jesus says, in his radical way to a people who scratched their heads, to a people who had been doing things a certain way for centuries, people who understood how it was that they were to find forgiveness, how it was that they were to find freedom from the the bondage of sin. All they knew was that there was forgiveness if blood would be shed. Jesus came once and for all. Perfect, beautiful sacrifice. Humbled himself took upon himself the weight of the sins of the world and offered us in return true freedom from the bondage and the penalty of sin. The truth, Jesus, sets us free. The reality of believing in Jesus, obeying his word and knowing the truth brings true spiritual freedom. That freedom is enormous. It includes freedom from the bondage of falsehood. It includes freedom from the the Satan of our world. It It includes freedom from condemnation and judgment and spiritual ignorance and spiritual death. Most significantly in this context this morning, it includes freedom from the penalty and bondage of sin. We don't have to surrender to the way things are. We, through the blood of Jesus, have been offered a way out. The way out. Are you free this morning? Have you experienced freedom from the shadow of doubt and despair? Is there cloudiness possibly in your life? Or have you been set free from the chains and the bondage of sin? Have you experienced the power of God and the presence of His Holy Spirit? Have you experienced the freedom of knowing your sin as we sang this morning? It's gone. It's far, far away. You've been forgiven and your guilt has been removed. Hear me again. There is freedom from sin offered through the redemptive power of the blood of Jesus Christ. You can. Your neighbor can. 
Your loved one can. Your boss, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife can experience freedom from sin through the gift of grace. We celebrate. We celebrate pretty well. The gift of freedom we have as Americans. We spend a lot of money on fireworks. We buy tons, millions of pounds of fireworks to celebrate freedom that we have, that many of us, many of us can barely eke out a full paragraph of what that freedom looked like in 1776. As believers, we have been freed as Christians, as followers of Christ. We have been freed of so much more. The requirements for the freedom offered through Jesus Christ is to believe and remain. Believe. 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 Stay plugged in. Abide. If we do, we're going to know the truth. Is the truth always easy? Do we always want the truth? I don't. But that truth, that knowledge of the truth given through the way, the truth, the life, results in true spiritual freedom. On Wednesday, I don't know what your plans are, but I dare you. I like to dare you. I dare you. As you're looking up at the fireworks on Wednesday night or whenever it is for you this week, maybe it's your neighbors almost blowing up their house. The next big boom you hear, you see up in the sky. Celebrate our freedom. We have reason to celebrate. We take it for granted as Americans. Shame on us. But also, pause. Just in a moment. Allow some of that $1.9 billion of celebration to mean something personally to you as a Christian. Of your salvation, the price paid, the freedom offered. Celebrate freedom as a citizen of here and celebrate your freedom of a citizen of a place we have yet to set our eyes on. Would you stand with me? Charles Wesley writes in the fourth verse of a famous hymn that many of us grew up with. The hymn is called, And Can It Be? And the verse goes like this. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke 
The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. If you are in Christ Jesus today, you are free. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. On this Sunday morning, if you find yourself not being able to rejoice in the freedom that we talked about here this morning, if you are yet in bondage to sin and despair, I want you to hear again, Jesus offers freedom. The only true freedom worth pursuing. If on this day, you would request that available freedom, that gift of mercy and grace. It's as simple as surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. There's no fancy words to say. In fact, no words can truly speak to what we are being offered. And so, if on this day, you would surrender, maybe for the first time, maybe to renew a relationship with Jesus Christ, if on this day, you would ask for the Lord to come and cleanse you, to give you the offer of freedom He does, you would do that in your heart, I would just ask that you tell someone. I'd love for you to tell me. But maybe you need to tell someone that brought you to church this morning. Maybe you need to tell someone sitting close to you. Maybe you need to tell someone this afternoon. Christian brothers and sisters, you are free. Live like it. Celebrate it. Tell others. Lord Jesus, thank you for the freedom that you offer, the true gift of salvation. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for the knowledge of the truth that offers us perfect freedom. Help us not to take it for granted again today. Would you remind us of this sincere, amazing, life-transforming gift of freedom we've been given? May we rejoice always in it. I pray your blessing upon this day. I pray, Lord, that you would go before us through this week, that you would protect and guide and direct that you would use us in ways that we have not yet imagined to be your hands and feet. And that you would bless your church, Lord, as we surrender daily to you and offer a hope to a hopeless world. We pray all of this and we ask for more of you and less of us. In Jesus' name. And God's people said... Amen. God bless you. Happy 4th of July week.